At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Friday, January 8th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. What folklorists can teach us about the structure and resilience of conspiracy theories? The genome of the platypus has been sequenced, and it's just as weird as you'd expect. And a Swedish film festival that's sending one person to an abandoned lighthouse on a remote island for a week-long stay without any human contact or outside communication. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. You know, at the end of the show yesterday, I talked about how I think of the cocky ride home as a necessary break from doom scrolling the news, and it is, but it also doesn't exist in a vacuum. And so without getting bogged down by this week's news exactly, I wanted to share an interesting study about conspiracy theories that was conducted last year by folklorists, which I read last month and has been kicking around in my head again. It breaks down how the tradition and structure of folklore can start to explain how conspiracy theories spread, take hold, and eventually fall apart. So every few years, terms like the power of story and narrative storytelling are revived as buzzwords in the media, marketing, NGO, and education sectors. And it can sometimes be a bit overdone, but there is truth to it. You know, we as humans have always used stories to communicate, to pass down cultural norms, and to mobilize each other towards action, for good and for ill. Timothy Tangerlini, a computational folklorist from the University of California at Berkeley and co-author on the study, says, quote, Stories have been impactful throughout human history. People take real-world action on these. A lot of genocide can be traced back to certain stories and rumors as well as conspiracy theories, end quote. Tangerlini and his co-authors used machine learning and their expertise as folklorists to analyze over 18,000 posts on alt-right message boards from April 2016 to February 2018, focusing specifically on the Pizzagate conspiracy. They used the data to visually map out the narratives, subplots, relationships between people mentioned, and other key elements that emerged with the aim of parsing out the differences between the storytelling elements of a debunked conspiracy versus a fact-based one. And in case you don't recognize Pizzagate by name, here is a summary from Ars Technica, quote, Pizzagate emerged during the 2016 presidential election after the March spear-phishing hack of the personal emails of then-Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, John Podesta. 
WikiLeaks published the emails in November 2016, and false rumors, or creative interpretations if one is feeling charitable, began swirling that the Podesta emails contained coded messages about an alleged human trafficking and child sex ring. The rumors soon blossomed into a full-scale conspiracy theory connecting high-ranking Democratic Party officials and several U.S. restaurants, most notably the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. The hoax spread like wildfire on 4chan, 8chan, Reddit subgroups like R. The Donald and R. Pizzagate, Twitter, and various alt-right and conservative media outlets, including Infowars. The mania culminated on December 4th, 2016, when 28-year-old Edgar Madison Welch of North Carolina came to D.C. and fired three shots from an AR-15-style rifle into the pizzeria, convinced he would be a hero for rescuing the alleged child sex slaves being held in the restaurant's non-existent basement. Mercifully, no one was injured, and Welch surrendered to police. He was found guilty of assault and firearm charges and sentenced to four and a half years in prison, apologizing during sentencing for his foolish and reckless behavior, end quote. So, in analyzing the online posts that led to all of that, quoting again, the researchers found that conspiracy theories tend to form around certain narrative threads that connect various characters, places, and things across discrete domains of interaction that are otherwise not aligned. It's a fragile construct. Cut one of those crucial threads, and the story loses cohesiveness, and hence its viral power. This is not true of a factual conspiracy, which typically can hold up even if certain elements of the story are removed, end quote. In the case of Pizzagate, you've got a lot of seemingly unconnected domains of interaction. Hillary Clinton, a pizza place, John Podesta, sex trafficking. The conspiracy links them all together, some ways more convincingly than others. Like Clinton and Podesta have ties to the Democratic Party, sure, they also both probably like pizza— Okay, not quite as strong. And Tangerlini points out, quote, When we looked at the layers and structure of the narrative about Pizzagate, we found that if you take out WikiLeaks as one of the elements in the story, the rest of the connections don't hold up. In this conspiracy, the WikiLeaks email dump and how theorists creatively interpreted the content of what was in the emails are the only glue holding the conspiracy together. End quote. And while that's good news that it can fall apart so easily, it can also be brought back together again with different glue holding it all together. Case in point, Pizzagate has been brought back into the fold by young people on TikTok swapping out Hillary Clinton for celebrities like Justin Bieber. Yeah, we can't just blame boomers on Facebook for stuff like this. So much of it is being spread by younger generations as well on other platforms. The man who fired the assault rifle in the pizzeria was 28 at the time. And I don't have any answers on how to stop things like this, but getting back just to the narrative analysis side of things, the UCLA researchers also put a factual, turned out to be real, conspiracy through their model, and it turned out to be quite different from the debunked fallacy example of Pizzagate. They used the example of Bridgegate when New Jersey officials closed several lanes of the George Washington Bridge for political reasons. Quoting again from ours, the team couldn't find any set of nodes of edges in the network, no key story element they could delete that would make the network fall apart. Tangerlini attributes this to the fact that even though all the major figures in Bridgegate had multiple points of connection, they all belonged to the same domain of interaction, New Jersey politics. 
We're not aligning disparate domains, he said. The narrative framework is robust to deletion. That might actually be one of the telltales between an actual conspiracy and a conspiracy theory, end quote. So it's the lack of weak glue holding disparate domains of interaction together and the ability to delete any one of those connections without the whole thing falling apart that can help us distinguish between real and hoax conspiracies. Now, as far as how people can fall in so deep that those connections don't look so weak to them, I definitely recommend giving a listen to the New York Times podcast Rabbit Hole, a limited series that ran last year focusing on the ways social media can radicalize and brainwash people. It talks to people who went down those rabbit holes and have come back out of them, current QAnon believers, Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube, PewDiePie, the once most subscribed creator on YouTube whose name was invoked in the 2019 Christchurch New Zealand terrorist attack. It covers a lot of ground and really helps you understand a little bit of why this might be happening. And I would also follow that up with Reply All's episode from last summer that explains QAnon in depth and all but blows the whistle on the identity of Q. And one last recommendation, the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve about Flat Earthers, which I think really builds on a lot of what Rabbit Hole illustrates, that so many of the people who fall prey to these conspiracy theories are simply looking for a sense of community and belonging. And there is a lot to unpack there, but I will leave it for now. Links to all of those are in the show notes. And now on to lighter topics after a quick break from today's sponsors. We always knew that platypuses were weird. They're a semi-aquatic mammal with venomous spurs, skin that sweats milk and is biofluorescent, and they have 10 sex chromosomes. But now that scientists have mapped their genome, it turns out they're kind of even weirder than we thought. The nearly complete genome was published this week in the journal Nature, but first backing up quickly to things that we already knew. So the platypus is one of two current species of monotremes, a type of mammal that both lays eggs and nurses its young. The other existing monotreme is the echidna, a hedgehogish looking animal found in Australia and New Guinea. Both of their genes, it turns out, present a blend of mammal, reptile, and bird. The sequencing of the platypus genome has helped shed light on when exactly the three groups of mammals, monotremes, marsupials, and placentals, diverged. We don't exactly know when the divergence happened between all three, but in sequencing the genome, researchers believe the monotremes veered off from the other two 187 million years ago, and since then, very little in them has changed genetically. And one of their unique attributes is their 10 sex chromosomes, 5X and 5Y. They're the only known animal with 10. And while the platypus sex chromosomes are closer in characteristics to birds versus reptiles or mammals, its milk genes are much more similar to other mammals. Quoting Science Alert, Casein genes help encode certain proteins in mammalian milk, but monotremes appear to have extra caseins with unknown functions. That said, their milk is not unlike what comes from a cow or even a lactating human. As such, the platypus is probably not as dependent on egg proteins as other bird and reptile species, because it can later feed their young through the lactation glands on its skin. 
The full genome has also revealed the loss of four genes associated with tooth development, which probably disappeared roughly 120 million years ago. To eat, the platypus now uses a pair of horn-like plates to grind up its food. The poisonous spurs on its hind legs can possibly be explained by the creature's defense in genes, which are associated with the immune system in other mammals and appear to give rise to unique proteins in their venom. Echidnas, which also had their full genomes sequenced, appear to have lost this key venom gene. End quote. Apart from just getting more background on how bizarre platypuses are, scientists are particularly excited about these findings because of the information that it can provide on our own evolution as humans and that of other mammals. Like most film festivals and in-person events, the Ulteborg Film Festival in Sweden is going virtual this year. For 11 days, this month and next, they'll be streaming 60 film premieres, as well as their usual slew of panel conversations, interviews, and more. And to join in, all you need to do is buy a digital festival pass. But... If you want a more individualized experience, you can apply to the ultimate social distancing experience, the isolated cinema. The film festival has organized for one lucky cinema-goer to spend seven days all alone in a former lighthouse keeper's house on the remote island of Paternoster. No phone, no laptop, no books or other distractions, no companions, just you and access to all 60 films from the festival. A boat will take you there on the first day and pick you up again when it's over. They'll also provide you with supplies, quote, a soft bed and nice food, a video diary camera, and, okay, technically there will be one other person on the island for safety reasons, but artistic director Jonas Olmberg says, quote, if everything goes as planned, they will never meet during the seven days, end quote. You can apply until January 17th by submitting a simple form online explaining why you'd like to be chosen, and anyone from around the world can apply technically, but they do have an eye out for a true film lover and someone who will be up to the challenge of staying in complete solitude for seven days, and of course all COVID regulations and travel restrictions apply, so make sure you're aware of those if you are seriously considering this. But if you are in Sweden or you're able to get there before the festival starts and want a slightly lower-key version of the isolated cinema experience, the festival is also hosting The Deserted Arena and The Empty Theater. The former is a hockey stadium and the latter is, well, a, a large theater. They will be playing all 60 film premieres in these venues as well, but with only one spectator at a time. You can sign up to be entered into the raffle, and 120 people will be chosen, one per film per venue. So you just have to stay in solitude for the length of a movie, not for seven days. Unless you think this creativity is born simply out of pandemic restrictions, AV Club points out that the Yotabora Film Festival has pulled this kind of thing before. Two years ago, they offered an experience to view one of their films from inside a coffin, a locked, custom sarcophagus. It paired well with the film Aniara, a spooky sci-fi movie dealing with themes of isolation, and clearly teed the festival up for this year's antics. Well, that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kantki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go check out the Zillow listing for that Swedish lighthouse. Sounds like my kind of place. I hope you have a good weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday.